Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Soul Radio. We are here live on unityonlineradio.org. I'm bursting with excitement because this is our first show. This is our maiden voyage on Unity. So we're so happy to be here. My name is Callie Alpert. I'm here with my dear friend and co-host, Steve Hassenberg. Hello. I'm bursting, too. We have have two bursts going on. I know. I had a little moment, I have to say, with our opening line. So I'm in New York in the central Hudson Valley, just north of New York City, And Steve is out on the West Coast representing Pacific Palisades in all of its splendor. Yeah. So we are here. Like we said, this is our first show on uh, Unity Radio. And we're so grateful, uh, number one, for the opportunity. Before um, anything, before any further ado, I do want to give a special shout out and thank you to Diane Ray for the opportunity and for her support and then for the team that's working behind the scenes to support us here on our first show today. So that's number one. I think what we'd like to do is just uh, tell all of you a little bit about us since this is our first show, a little bit about our intention for the show. So we are an interactive show that is grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit. Our intention is to create a conscious conversation and create a community of like-minded souls with all of you listeners where we offer spiritual direction, where we can talk about some deeper topics that we might not get an opportunity to do in the course of our regular days, to gain some understanding of some of life's most difficult challenges. We promise to be vulnerable. We aim to share our own stories. And we are one of you. That's really what got us here. We'd like to offer up guidance. We look forward to having lots of callers and great exchanges. Uh, and uh, Steve, you want to start and just give a little bit of your background? Since you've got the letters. I have the letters. I have the scarlet letters. <laughs> we could start with that. Let's just jump into that. We like to be very honest. That's probably you're pulling a lot of people. Um, so I'm a spiritual psychotherapist. I work in Santa Monica. I have a private practice, have had one for about 40 years. Mm. And uh, I also do Buddhist studies, mindfulness. Uh, I teach meditation. Uh, I run loving kindness workshops, relationship workshops. And um, 
my my greatest um, kind of passion for most of my life has been integrating uh, ancient traditions uh, and ancient tools and integrating them into the field of Western psychology. Right. So when people come to see me, it's very different. It's a very a different experience than normal therapy. And we what have. What do they fun- say? What? How do they? What have you heard? What? What have? What have they said? What? What qualifies or characterizes different? Oh my God! I know that's a loaded question. No, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's just lots of expl- exclamatory words and. Well, I think they're points. excited. What they're people are excited to come to see me because I have a niche practice. And there aren't that many psychotherapists and psychologists who um, are also practicing meditators. Right. And I've been meditating for over 40 years. Um, there are very few of us who are teaching mindfulness and meditation in the course of our work together. Uh, that's very, very unique. Mm-hmm. So people are coming here because I have a niche practice. And I'm also wonderful. <laughs> you are wonderful. That I can attest to. Uh, <laughs> I might be a little biased, but I definitely support that. And uh, for all of our listeners, uh, new les- listeners and existent listeners that we might have migrated over for today, I I call you sensei. I know you don't really love that, but I call you sensei because I'm loving you are... it. I'm loving it more and more. Okay, good. You're finally growing into your um, your sagely title. So a little background on me is I am not a psychotherapist, but have been to a lot of psychotherapists and I'm a big appreciator (laughs) of therapy and spiritual uh, practice. By trade, I am a longtime television producer and I'm now actually the director of digital media at Omega Institute. And I have been a seeker my whole life on a spiritual path and also an interviewer from the time I was a very young kid interviewing my teddy bears and stuttering, studying Barbara Walters to really get to the (laughs) bottom of what makes people tick, what the core is of why we're here, what our purpose is and why, why, why. So I will be representing more of the role of student with Steve representing the role of teacher. Although often I know you don't like that and you'll tell me that I'm the teacher as well. Well, you are. But I also want to throw in, before we forget, since it's the first show, yeah. that, that I started my psychotherapy practice when I was seven. Why don't we hear that story? Because that'll get us into our, our topic for today. Well, my experience... That's, an early, that's early blooming right there. Isn't it? My yeah, experience, that's... like so many others, is that I was somehow born into a dysfunctional family. And so... <laughs> Soon enough, I realized that I was supposed to help everybody. Mm -hmm. So I try to help my dad, my sister. I try to get my mom and dad to talk. I did everything I could uh, in order to get this family more um, stable. Did you charge them? I charged them 12 cents. (laughs) That's like the Charlie Brown. Uh, that's the image that's coming to right the um, the image that's coming to my mind. It was the Charlie also. Brown image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but after all that work, I can't say that I succeeded. 
dysfunctional families will be uh, definitely prominent inside of our show um, in in uh, subtle and not so subtle ways <laughs> going forward, because that's what has informed both of us very deeply. And I think it's informed most of the people who listen. Right. I think so, too. Kind of the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. For better or for worse, it builds character and it teaches us lessons. So shall we go into our first topic? Let's get right in there. All right, let's do it. So I pose this to our dear listeners, this question. Have you ever wondered what the heck is the reason you're here? Have you ever heard the expression earth school? Do you believe we're here to learn? Or do you believe that life just happens and you just sort of walk through it more responsibly or re uh, reactively. So today we're going to give you some answers to the meaning of why we're here and the importance of earth school. So I think the way we should probably start is by talking a little bit about that expression earth school. You know, it's not something that I heard very early on in my own kind of spiritual seeker ride. It's probably something I became a little more familiar with over the last 10 years but you have sort of an official origin of where that term comes from, right? It's very official. Well, <laughs> official meaning, in, yeah, empirical or informed by something. How's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I began studying what's called NDEs, which are near-death experiences, when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. I was fascinated. I was terrified. Let's start with the terror first. Uh, in my teenage years, I was terrified of dying. And I remember before going to bed every night, I would think, where do we, where did we come from? And where do we go after we leave here? Yeah. I was obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that I would have taken on near-death experiences when I was in college. And so in reading, I've read a lot of material. And in reading that material... And for the viewer, the listeners at home, it's important to know that there have been probably 150,000 case studies of near-death experiences. Now, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, right, being one of the, the first medical doctors who began it, and um, about 97% of people who come back from a near-death experience report three specific and unique things about the experience. Mm -hmm. The experiences are always different, but these three unique things always come forward. And the first thing is that they learned in their life review, and we can kind of go over that later if you'd like. They learn in their life review that and they're sitting, let me preface it by saying they're sitting with a guide or an angel or an ascended master. Right. As you do, once you cross over. You do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about how we know that at some point as well. And um, they look at their life go by. And the only thing they're aware of in a very non-judgmental way is where could I have loved more? Mm. So the first major principle that almost everybody comes back with, where could I have loved more? Right. The second thing they come back with is that the earth is a school, thus the word earth school, mm -hmm. which I picked up from near-death experiences. 
the earth is a school for the soul. Right. And then the third thing is these individuals don't fear death anymore. Right. Which because is a they, huge, a huge revelation. Right. Which also can inform the fearlessness that you come back with and the, the ability you have to embrace earth school life more fully right? without that fear sort of lingering in conscious and a lot of unconscious ways like most of us have. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So when you, because I, uh, you know, I think about, um, a boyfriend of mine that passed away. We'll just get right into all of our, all of our real truth, truthful topics, right, right out of the gate here today. I had a, a boyfriend that passed away, um, 18 years ago and it happened very suddenly and he was young. I mean, he was in his mid thirties at the time. So none of this was anticipated, although I do believe on some level his soul knew. And he had a, um, like a black fingernail, maybe he had had a little construction accident or inadvertently hammered it or whatever he did. And he used to say to me, when this grows out, I will graduate. And sure enough, three or four weeks later, wow. he passed, he passed away. So it's, it's kind of a, um, an interesting and offbeat way to have learned the energy of what you're describing. But that was the first time I was sort of introduced to this kind of terminology. Little did I know how much gravity it would have, you know, but the idea of graduation, I mean, ever since then, everything you're describing has just sort of been innately with me. The idea that everything that we do here, everything that we experience, everything that's given to us, every situation that we walk into is an opportunity um, for part of our curriculum to continue to to graduate well, to walk through it and to take our classes and to ultimately graduate. And everybody has a unique curriculum. Right. Which seems impossible that um, whether we call it God or whether we call it creative intelligence or the mastermind, um, there is a intelligence woven in and this is part of the idea of earth school that you just talked about mm -hmm. the intelligence is woven in to each moment to each circumstance and to each breath that we take right i remember there's a wonderful kabir poem when somebody asked kabir kabir where is god and Kabir says, God is the breath inside the breath. That's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean exactly? It means that when we're breathing, there's someone breathing within us. Okay. The sort of the life force that... that there's that, a life force. Okay. There's a spirit. And so if we're looking for it, it's within everything. Got it. So we want to just invite our callers um, to remind everybody that the number, if you want to join us and pose a question or offer any comments or thoughts as we continue our conversation today, the number to unityonlineradio.org is 816-251-3555. We are here to talk and converse and interact. And so we welcome anything that you'd like to bring up with us. So please um, feel free to give a call. Let's go back to, let's try to ground this um, a little bit more in terms of how it's applicable to people like every day. You know, 
you have, let's start, I'm going to set you up for this because I, I love teeing this up. This is like my favorite roomy quote that I think kind of encapsulates everything. Do you want to share it? My favorite roomy quote? This, yeah, the quote about, is it is it roomy about the Sufis grateful? Oh, it's from Rumi's teacher. Rumi's teacher is uh, named Shams. Right, okay. And so Shams says, um, a Sufi is grateful for everything that is given, but a Sufi is also grateful for everything that has been denied. So that's where I get tripped up. <laughs> I get a little tripped up at the denied part. Uh-huh. So, you know, I have learned from knowing you now for a few years and um, a few lifetimes, so we've covered a lot of ground in the time that we've known each other, that I do believe that. And I do know that um, you probably have more direct experience with it than I do in the depth of your knowledge of that being true. I do know that everything happens for our highest good and to teach us. And dare we say that we're our higher selves are actually creating all of the circumstances that we step into, especially the ones that are challenging, right? Yeah. Would that be a fair characterization? It is. So then how are we to be grateful for things that we are denied? How do we get into a headspace for that? Well, listen, on the most practical level, it's very difficult. <laughs> okay. Just a little. Just so, a little. I mean, let's start off with the truth. These are beautiful spiritual ideas. Right. For some people, they're spiritual experiences. But I think even if it's an idea, it allows listeners at home to begin to think of their life in a more meaningful way. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that happen to us that are challenging. Right. And human beings, me for one, you for the other, we like things that are pleasurable. We like chocolate. Speak we for like, yourself. <laughs> we like to be stroked. We, we enjoy pleasure. Yes. And we and try to avoid pain. Right. That is our natural and that is our inherent nature. True. Right. Yes. But at a, but at a deeper level or a higher level, the challenges in our life are actually we could say blessings to stretch us, to make us more patient, perhaps to make us more resilient, perhaps to make us stronger. It's like here's a quote from Ernie, Ernest Hemingway, which oh. I I love. I haven't heard you quote Hemingway. He's one of my favorites. So Hemingway says, the world breaks everyone, but some become stronger in the broken places. Mm. Gorgeous, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. So it's sort of the, it's, it's the idea that um, things are character, that, that experiences and challenges are character building. And, you know, we hear that a lot, um, but I'd like to get a little bit deeper as to how. You know, if you're going through, uh, I'm thinking about so many different challenges that, you know, I've had over the years, as we all have. If, if someone's going through a very intense challenge right now due to COVID, they've just lost a relative. Right. They um, are struggling economically. Um, they've dealt at the, at the hands, they've been um, victimized at the hands of a natural disaster. How do you tell somebody 
that this experience could really be their friend. Well, what way to do that? I mean, this is something I have to do on a daily basis in my practice. If you think about the people who are coming into my office, they're all coming with huge challenges. Right. I had a client whose fire, whose house burned down during the Malibu fire a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. I have people who've lost relatives. Uh, I, every possible thing you can conceive of, right. I've been dealing with. And so when we're dealing with it in the, in the first stage, first stage is always realistic. What is going on? What just happened to me? What am I feeling? Mm-hmm. And so I would say it's the first step in all of this is to have your real, authentic feelings. Right, because you can't skip steps. You can't switch steps. It's not a great idea. You don't. I try to get people out of denial and face whatever has occurred in the kind of biggest way they can, first intellectually and then emotionally, and to open their, finally to open their heart to it. Mm Mm-hmm. You get paid to get people out of denial? <laughs> That's I think very de- funny. Sometimes <laughs> I get paid to keep people in denial. <laughs> I would pay you for that. Would, would you? you? I, would, I mean, I that, that's, that's probably a better profession. <laughs> All right. Hold that thought because I do see that we have a few callers. So I'm going to go to our first caller. We have uh, Linda from Los Angeles. And let's see if I can. Linda, are you there? Yes, hi there. Hello. Hi, welcome. Thank you for being our hi, number one you. first caller on unityonlineradio.org. Oh, nice to have you. How exciting to be the first one. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my, I had actually two questions, but the one that seems really interesting to me right now is with the COVID, it's almost like the whole world is dealing with the same one karmic issue. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it, it, it perplexes me. And if you have any insight into that, I'd be, I'd be really interested in, in your thoughts on that. Mm, thank you. I love that question. It's sort of the, you know, the collective challenge that we're having as, mm-hmm. you know, one, 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 one human, one big global human altogether. Steve, what do you think? Yeah. Well, well, for me, you know, I've been thinking about this for, as everybody has, for about eight months. It's like, is it enough? So uh, what I thought about it, and I've mentioned to people, is it's similar to a forced spiritual retreat. Right. And it's been imposed on us, which is very difficult. But one thing I mentioned uh, a few months ago in one of our podcasts, and then that will lead us into a discussion, and maybe we can come with up with some answers. Um after about the first few weeks, I noticed men playing baseball with their children. Mm. I noticed mm. men playing soccer and basketball with their children. And I had thought that there were no men in my neighborhood. <laughs> I just saw women and nannies whenever I went out. Mm. And so the men came home. And what did the men do? After a few weeks of frustration, they started finding things to do, like being with their family more, playing with their kids, finding ways to have fun, loving more, 
we've been too overly consumed with consumerism. Right. We've been overly consumed by social media, not that we don't use it now. And whatever we've been consumed by is being taken away from us. And for on some level, it's like being put in a timeout. Yeah, and, one big collective timeout, right? We're being stripped away and just being forced to look at what's right underneath our noses and to get still. And, uh, you know, some might say that Mother Nature might have created this situation we're in, and yet people are being incentivized to reach back out to nature and to enjoy her and to look to her for solace, spending more time outside, more time in the woods. And to reach into yourself and to find those things within yourself that need to be attended to, that need to be loved, that need to be understood. And in a way, we're being forced to become larger human beings. I would also venture to say, uh, Linda, to your point, just to back into the beginning of your question, that some would say that there is that we as a human species are collectively co-creating. And so we put certain, um, you know, politicians in office collectively, even if consciously our belief systems are different. We potentially create situations that are collective and global so that we can all have the shared experience. Some people might look at this as a pretty far out premise, but Steve, what do you, what do you think? I mean, could you sort of back up that that could potentially be a yeah, reality? I, I mean, that, that's speaking to our topic today, right? That challenging circumstances, even if the challenge goes on for a while, forces us in a way to confront ourselves and one of the purposes of Earth School is this loving confrontation with who we are. And so this is another example, whether it's global calamity, floods, earthquakes, fires, mm -hmm. which are super difficult, or, th or things that are closer to home in our own families, again, forcing us to be larger, more resilient, more patient, more still, more listening, more communicative, more loving, more tender. All of those things are possible. It sounds like my uh, my singles personal ad, all those <laughs> adjectives. That's what that just sounded like. So we're going to go to a break in um, in just a moment. But Linda, does that uh, does that speak to your question? Does that give you a little oh, bit yes, of further thanks. insight? Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Oh, you're so. So we are going to take care of a little bit of business here on Unity Online Radio. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how challenges catalyze our growth. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about all the different forms of love that we can learn while we're here in Earth School. Forms of love that we might not be actively thinking about every day. So we will be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. 
Welcome back, everybody, to One Soul Radio. We are here live on UnityOnlineRadio.org. This is our maiden voyage, and we are so happy to have you with us. So thank you all for joining us. We um, have a few other callers that are waiting in line that we're going to get to momentarily. We were talking about uh, the theme of today's show is Earth School and how many of you think about your life experience as a school and the opportunity to learn or not. So for some of you, this might resonate. For some of you, this might be a new concept, but we invite you to join the conversation at 816-251-3555. We are here to have a conversation, offer guidance, field your questions, hear your comments, whatever it is you'd like to share with us. So right before the break, we were talking about the idea of how to use especially challenges, because it's easy to relish in the parts of life that are easy and joyful and ecstatic. I think we all have that one down, although it's important to remember that those are temporary as well. Everything is temporary. Everything is fleeting, right? But the ones that are harder and also more valuable often are the ones that are the challenging, the, the tough stuff. And so we're trying to get a little bit deeper perspective than just the usual, oh, everything happens for a reason and everything's meant to be a, um, a lesson and really try to ground this for you so that we can maybe help it, um, help it just sink a little bit deeper into your, you know, your, your DNA as to how to approach things when they, when they show up in your lives. Um, the fact that we often on some soul level are creating them ourselves, which might be a really astonishing thing for us to think about. I'm not saying I've mastered that at all, but when I'm going through something difficult, I'll often remind myself that there is a higher part of me that brought it on as a way to look at it through a different lens. So that's sort of where we're, where we're going today, right? Beautiful. So before we take our next caller, I think it's important, Steve, you you said this so eloquently um, the other day when we were preparing for the show, that if you can look at things that come that happen in your life, situations, people, experiences, no matter how grave, no matter how difficult, as something that catalyzes you, that that creates a um, a mirror or a magnifying glass to look at something that you still need to learn. Often, especially if it's a recurring pattern, right? things that really um, need to come to our attention. All of these situations that we experience as humans are opportunities to look at these challenges and look at these situations and see what it is that is being um, magnified inside of it as an opportunity to learn, right? I have a good example of that. Let's hear that. Well, for most of my life, if you put me in a room with 3,000 women... Oh would, boy. <laughs> All right, that's a good that's a good teaser. Go ahead. I would I would always fall in love mm-hmm. with the broken wing bird. Mm. And uh, I'd have no trouble finding her. It would be automatic. Mm-hmm. And then the question arises, why was I doing that? Yeah. I didn't even realize why I was doing it. It took me years and years and decades to figure that out. I realized that I needed to be a hero, Mm. desperately needed to be a hero in order to really experience my own self-worth and self-value. I did not feel valuable enough to find an equal. And so I always found somebody who I could help to stand back up. Mm. 
Now, that lesson was repeated over ad nauseum. Yes, I understand that one. Ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. And until I was able to realize what was going on. That was the universe teaching me. Because after a while, I would get very resentful that the person I chose was not taking care of me. Right. But I was spending my time taking care of her. Right. I know that dynamic. I know that <laughs> dynamic really well. So, you know, and that takes deep work. That takes a lot of mindfulness and a lot of looking at yourself in the mirror and a lot of uh, presence of mind to really recognize uh, more of the, the deeper underlying messages and opportunities there rather than just the suffering through those relationships. And I've been there. I've done that many times myself. So, and in a little while, we're actually going to... Um, devote our final segments of our um, of each of our shows to some action steps that might be able to help people ground what we're hoping are some valuable pieces of information and how to make them more applicable for you in your life. So shall we take another call? Sure. We have Eve, I think, calling from across the pond, across my pond, at least, on the East Coast in London. Eve, are you there? Hello. Yes. Can Hi. you hear me? Yes. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Do you have a question or comment for us? Yes, I have a question. Thank you very much. Um, very interesting discussion. Um, I'm struggling with with the effects of a suicide. Um, my my partner took took his life. Wow. Um, mm. Thing that meant to be. Um, uh, this question of free will, but also. It's it's a very hard lesson to be affected by a love, but by your loved one leaving leaving the world this way. Um, I don't know whether you have any thoughts thoughts on it. Well, I have a thought about it. Something that we were discussing about fifteen minutes ago. When I'm and I have worked with people whose partners have suicided. So I have some experience in that area. Um, the first thing is always try to have, give expression to your feelings. And Eve, whatever you're feeling now is the right feeling. There are no wrong feelings when something that tragic occurs. And there's grief and there's sadness and there's sorrow and there are so many thoughts about why this would have happened. How could I have prevented it? Often people think, what could I have done more yeah. to prevent a situation like that? And to find a way to be loving and kind toward yourself, find a way to get support from close friends. I don't know when this happened. When did it happen for you, Eve? Um, it happened six months ago. So Thank that's you, very my, close. It's more spiritual. Is there what? What is the spiritual view of of suicide? Is this something that is predetermined? Um, suicide is. It's, I'll give you the sense of what suicide is. Suicide is a feeling that there's no way out. And um, you be, one becomes obsessed with the idea of a need for an escape. 
a need for relief. Relief is probably a really good word. Um, they need relief from whatever is going on moment by moment, day by day with them. Is it a soul contract? I think it's a human choice. Uh, I think that if um, the soul didn't want it to happen, there'd probably be some failure in the attempt. So the soul obviously went along with it, but it's really a human choice. And it actually happened to my daughter's boyfriend. And um, they were together for about three or four years. They broke up and he committed suicide. Um, and that was very devastating for her. And I've lived through it and held her hand through it. So let me stop there and ask you to have additional questions. Yes. Sure. Oh, uh, do I have any additional questions? Yeah. No, no, How does it feel for you to hear all of this, Eve? Um, well, uh, there is, actually, the feeling is there is no escape. Um, it's just very difficult to understand, yes. to, uh, to process, to live with. It destroys everything. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to just share um, with you, you know, I've, um, I've, and I don't want to detract from your story because we're talking about you, but I, I offer this in the hope that it can offer you some comfort. I, um, I also experienced that the boyfriend that I referenced earlier in the show, and I don't know if you heard that, also crossed himself over at his own hand. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that it was intentional, um, but it was a drug overdose and he was somebody who um, was having a lot of mental issues and had a psychotic break after 9-11. And I don't, um, again, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about me. I, I offer this to you because, um, you know, that the night that it happened, he asked me to come over and I didn't. And that was the night that he, um, that he passed and who knows how things may have been different if I had. But the one thing I can offer you, because now this is many years behind me, is that um, the perspective and the understanding and some of the questions that you very understandably feel, uh, have now are going to take a really good long time for you to find the answers to. And like Steve said, and I'd rather hear him talk more about this than me as the professional here, um, I can definitely assure you that for now, just to let yourself feel your feelings and ask your questions and try to be okay with the fact that the answers are going to take a while to come is a perfectly acceptable place to be in terms of your timeline of healing. This is really, really new. Uh, I hope that just offers you a little bit of um, solidarity, if that's the least I can do for you. That's perfect, Callie. And I guess the other thing, since it's so fresh, which I mentioned before, is how important it is to be supported and how important it is to be held and to be able to talk and to cry. And if we can allow those things to happen, it will in time start soothing your heart. Do you have a support system that you feel safe and comfortable with? Sadly, no, I don't. No. A, a professional, perhaps, that you may have um, sought out? Uh, I, I found help 
professional help not very useful. What I find is there is really no understanding of suicide grief and how it is different from any other type of grief. Um, and, and it's still, I find a subject that is not talked about enough still. Agreed. Um, right, because it's been so, um, uh, there's such a taboo against um, yeah. a lot of these topics that are starting to find a little bit more space in public. But when you're going through it, it feels like a very isolating experience. Um, and I'm sure it's that's that's how you're feeling. It sounds very understandable. I would I would definitely uh, suggest maybe trying a new avenue for some professional help. Right, Steve? Is that what you would recommend? That's definitely what I would recommend. Uh, both spiritual and psychological help. Even talking to somebody who's very spiritual. I mean, we could probably spend 15 minutes of the next uh, show of this show talking about the spiritual aspects of spirituality where people go afterwards, but we don't have time to do that. Mm. But maybe we will on another occasion. Yeah. Maybe what we can do, if, if you'd like from us, is we're happy to um, offer you, uh, after the show, we can offer you some resources if you'd like to leave your, um, your contact information. Um, if you're interested, we're happy to reach out and see if we can help you a little bit further. That would be great. Thank you very much. Would you like much. that? You. We'd be happy to Absolutely. do that for you. Thank you. Thank you for Thank being you. so honest and for sharing your story. And our hearts and blessings are with you. Yeah, our hearts go out to you, Eve. Thank you very much. Thank you. So it's really important here too, you know, as we talk about these topics and we think about, um, you know, there's the probably the most sacred example of someone who's going through something very, very difficult in the moment. And I just want to make sure that we're distinguishing between what we're talking about. It's very easy to throw out that everything's meant to be and everything builds character and everything's got a lesson. That's one piece of this. But when you're in the middle of anything difficult, it's not the first go-to perspective that you have, nor should it be. And we're not suggesting that. You always have to go through the feelings first. And then there's so many different steps and machinations to create space and have a different perspective. But we don't want to minimize something as um, important as uh, what Eve was, was brave enough to share with us, right? You know, and one of the ways of thinking about spirituality and... This is something that uh, I learned from Thich Nhat Hanh, the great Buddhist uh, teacher, is a full participation. Spirituality really means fully participating in your life, participating in the sorrow, the sadness, the elation, the circumstances, allowing yourself to feel whatever you feel, not, not pushing it away, walking toward it gently. And um, that, I think, the idea of Earth School. Right. Earth School is a full participation. Everything from a more metaphysical point of view is here for you. Difficult, easy. Right. And if we can fully participate in it, we get the most out of it. Right. As you always say, everything wants to be known. 
every little cobweb and nook and cranny, um, and the way and however it shows up, if it shows up in difficult challenges, relationships, people, experiences, everything is a piece that needs to be known Absolutely. and needs our love and attention, especially the stuff that we don't want to love. Especially the stuff that we don't want to love inside of us. Right. Exactly. That's another show we will be talking and we'll be getting into <laughs> shadow sides and all kinds of things. As we have these conversations, it always begs, you know, every so many topics that start rolling out that we can um, cover just exclusively right. in the course of one hour. So shall we do like, shall we take one more caller? And then I'd like to get to our action steps so that maybe we can help people to get a little bit closer to what we're trying to relay here today. Shall we do that? Yes. Okay. So we have Carol from Wisconsin holding on patiently. Carol, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. Hi, welcome. Thank you for your patience and thanks for joining us. Do you have a question or a oh, comment you'd like to share? My pleasure. My pleasure. Actually, this is the first time I've ever called Unity Online. Your um, program just really moved me to do so. Oh, and, well, that is such a, that's such a gift to hear. Thank you thank for you, saying Carol. that. Thank you, Carol. Oh, you're welcome. The thing is, I mean, so much sorrow in the world right now and people trying their best to cope with it. And also the one thing that I've noticed with um, a number of people is that they feel guilty if they feel good and it's okay mm. to feel good. <laughs> You know, for the most part, my coping with this situation regarding COVID, I'm really doing quite well. Granted, I've had a couple of meltdowns, but that's okay, too. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, you just, it's, I know for some people it's a lot more difficult, um, yes. but I, uh, I should say earlier you um, gave us a quote from uh, the author, um, Ernest Hemingway. Yes. And there was one that I wanted to share, if you wouldn't mind, from Leonard Cohen. We would oh, love please. Leonard, yes. Uh, this one is, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Ooh, mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. and, love it. and I think that, that that just speaks volumes and um, for... Eve, Eve, I hope with all my heart that you find someone, a counselor, someone with which you, who you can share how you feel and, and that they will receive you and help you with everything you're going through. Thank you so much. That's Amen. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for, for saying that and for reaching across your own, um, question or comment to extend to Eve. That's exactly what we intend to do here. So that's, uh, that's really, and, that's, that's special. And the for last you here. Thing, thank you. And the last thing, your reference to online dating made me laugh. So I wanted to tell you that, yes, I do love long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, we're, we're going to be, um, so hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you again, Carol, and you're obviously we, we invite you to join us each week as we ramp up to, um, our, our show here on unity radio. And I am Thank sure you. it is, it's inevitable. We will be talking about love dating, my tragic <laughs> sex life, all kinds of different things. Well, congratulations on this first program and good luck in the future. 
Thank you so much. Uh, blessings for you. Thank you. And your point is um, well taken. Thank you so much for, mm. for joining us. You're welcome. That's a, yeah, that's a big one. We've talked about that early in COVID, you and I did, which is that not everybody is suffering and some people are benefiting and some people are digging deeper and some people are enjoying not having to leave the house and some people are feeling um, a sense of equanimity and, and almost immunity from the from the you know the, the ills of the world. And so that's nothing to feel guilty about. It's I think enough to feel to be mindful that and, and compassionate of others who aren't. And I think that's exactly what I heard in Carol's comment. I agree. Right. So with our remaining moments, and my lord, these shows blaze by Went quickly, so don't fast, they? Kelly. I know, I know. Uh, we want to share some of our action steps with everybody, ways that you can move closer to finding more love for yourself when things get challenging, when situations arise that you don't know how to process. One of the biggest pieces, which we didn't have as much time to talk about as we may have intended, is the idea of um, finding all the different forms of love that there are to find, the most important one being towards yourself and a sense of compassion. So in our final moments, some of the ways that we hope we can steer you toward having a new lens and maybe looking more opportunistically uh, and more experimentally, I should say, uh, at some of the things that are being, um, being that, we, that we feel are being cast cast to us or, or thrown to us that aren't always fun to experience. And, you know, as I'm listening to myself blather on here, I have to heed my own brilliant advice because I don't do a very good job of it on a lot of days either. Um, but one of the steps that we, um, that we talked about is to think of or write down one thing that you already know you could do better, that you could bring more love to, more compassion to, more awareness to. Is there a place where you could communicate a little bit better with somebody? Is there a person with whom you could show more affection? Is there a situation where you could take more responsibility? Is there um, an opportunity to surrender more, to extend more, right? It's yeah, the idea of taking one step further, leaning further in and more deeply to expanding the way that you view your life. Yeah, this way we get ready for our life review. So the more of these we do when we're sitting there in heaven and we'll go, check, check, got that one. On a cloud with my martini and some hot guy in a palm frond. Yes, keep going. Well, yes, and why not do that work now, right? Mm. It's, a, it's a beautiful thing to reach out to extend yourself even if it feels a bit risky. And as you do it, it becomes more of a habit and it becomes easier. And think of it the way the Buddhists think about it. The Buddhists use this idea of mindfulness, loving kindness. You're extending loving kindness into the world and it has the same effect as throwing a pebble into a large pond and that energy of your love ripples to the person that you're sending it to and the person behind that and behind that and behind that, and you're impacting the world. So let's all try to impact our world and make it a more kind and loving place. They say even something as simple as a smile walking down the street, which is a little trickier these days as we're all wearing masks, 
but even a smile with your eyes and the way that could impact a stranger at the right time and the right day uh, and, you know, can really make a difference. So it's just it's something that's sort of fun to be more uh, aware of. The second step would be to find more space, sort of more psychic space, whether that be through a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, some way of stepping back from your mind, right? Just to create a little bit more of a blank canvas away from the noise to process things in a new way so that you're not just constantly being bombarded and reactive. And stepping back can be more beautiful than you imagine. Because you step back, and if you practice that, in stepping back, stepping into your heart, and receiving the world through your heart, that will be another thing for another show. You're very good at that. I still, yes, I need to. <laughs> you're very, your uh, your heart is open is often, I would say, most often wide, wide open. You're not in your head as much as most of us humans I've are. I've, that's because I practice. And finally, for now, look back, pick something uh, that you can kind of look in, look at your life in, a, in the rearview mirror when in the moment it felt like it was really, really hard and ultimately taught you something. This just happened to me the other day where I had an appointment two hours away from here, New York City, and I had to go through a lot of different procedural things to make it happen, the right COVID test. It doesn't, it's a boring story, but the point is, is that I was really frustrated that it all got botched for reasons having to do with um, somebody that made a mistake in the office that I was supposed to be visiting. And so it meant that the next day, instead of being down um, in New York City having this particular procedure, I was home and not, and my time was not occupied and somebody out of nowhere, I haven't even told you the story, just fell into my existence. Um, and I'm going to just stop it there. Somebody that became like a real angel and is this new friend who came out of nowhere based on one quick email that I did. And it was that immediate. I thought 24 hours ago, I should have been doing this and instead look what happened. So that's kind of a little silly, um, uh, example, but one that, one that, that helps. So quickly, as we wrap up, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 